The Emotionally Uncomfortable Podcast is going live. Yes, you heard that correct. You can come ask your questions and get free live coaching. I'm going to be talking about all things attracting profit and parenting, which if you've been around for a while, profit equals time flexibility, emotional freedom, and all things money and wealth building. And of course, parenting. Come ask about why your kids do what they do, how to motivate your teens, and how you can become the adults they need. And the cool side effect is you can apply these principles to other relationships in your life, like your marriage, team building, and even your own parents. Head on over to heatherchauvin.com forward slash live to check out the next live podcast recording dates and topics. That's heatherchauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com forward slash live, L-I-V-E. See you there. Dr. Allie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled. I It was love at first sight when I said to you, like, what's on your heart? And you're like, it's all about the core desires. And I was like, she is one of my people. This is value alignment. Um, and I said, I'm going to, I'm calling you Dr. Allie because every time, typically when we hear, I'm sure you hear this all the time, but when we hear doctor, there's a lot of science behind this truth <laughs> and there's, I don't hear desires typically. Mm-hmm. So I know you have a story of what got you here. You talk a lot about, um, the body nutrition, all the things you work with. I'm assuming it's mostly female physicians or you, that's your community that you're talking to. So uh, Yep. Yeah. And recently professional women as well. So we just rebranded so that we could speak to more than women physicians. So yeah, women though. (laughs) I remember this and we're going to get into this because I attract a lot of professional women raising children. And in particular, some of their pain points are the parenting piece. And this is the challenge between like being really good, and I'm using air quotes, in one area of your life, like you've studied, you practice it, you like get awards, accolades, and you are very accomplished in one area of your life. And then there's these other buckets that we experience a lot of shame around, or we're not so confident in those areas. So let's just talk about these pink elephants in the room. Um, How did you start doing the work that you do now? Um, Yeah, let's start there. I love it. So it's a it's a long story, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make it, you know, real good cliff notes here. So from the time I was 5 years old, I wanted to be a doctor. My dad's a country doctor, his office was in our house. And so I essentially set my mind on a result. And I worked my butt off to get that result. Now, there are a lot of things along the way. And one of the things that happened for me, I'll call it for me now, is that I was an overweight kid. And because of that, you know, it brought a lot of shame pretty early on. I became an emotional eater. And I somehow knew that that's not really where I was meant to go, but I had no control of it. I didn't understand And so I essentially became a dieter by the age of eight years old. So I went on my first diet when I was eight and I did it quietly, but I then, you know, went on my next diet and my next one and my next one. And, you know, nothing was ever solved. I continued to emotionally eat. I continued to gain weight. 
Fortunately, I found sports, so I was pretty athletic, which saved my confidence, I would say. Um, But what happened through the whole thing is that I realized pretty quickly that emotional health was a thing, and I knew it was something that I had to figure out, and I didn't know how to do it. Along those lines, I also read every diet book and every exercise book. So thankfully, I became an expert in those areas. So this was pre-going to medical school. And so what happened was I wound up playing a sport in college. It paid for my tuition. And I, you know, did not correct the health, the behaviors that led me to being in an unhealthy space. And I knew I wanted to be a doctor. So there was this conflict. I'm going to be a doctor, but my own health is not optimal. And it was really difficult for me because I'm very authentic in what I do. And I wanted to walk the walk. And so I kind of said, listen, these diet books haven't worked for you know 15 years. So let me go ahead and figure out what the real issue is. And so I did some real deep soul searching. And when I was about 21, right before I went into medical school, I kind of decided to just tap in what I knew to be true. And I said, okay, I'm going to intuitively listen to what my body's saying. And so I kind of played around with this whole idea of intuitive eating. And what it did is it allowed me to dive deeper into, you know, how do I emotionally handle life? And when I started doing more of the emotional work, um, that's when I really started to see a difference in my health. How do I emotionally handle life? (laughs) When you said that, I was like, I don't know if anyone, unless you are in therapy, has ever asked me how do you emotionally handle life? Yeah. Like, what does that actually mean? Yeah. So emotionally handling life. Well, I think the first thing is always going to be the awareness of. So it's the idea that growing up, right? I don't remember anybody ever saying, so how do you feel about that? Right? Because it goes cerebral. It goes to your mind. You always go into, how do you think about it? So even when I was my first coach, I think it was my first coach I hired was well after medical school. It was when I was transitioning to become an entrepreneur and develop my own company. And she asked me, how did I feel about it? And I gave her 20 more thoughts because it's so foreign to actually be aware of how you feel. So how do you emotionally handle life is first the awareness of what are your emotions? What are your most common emotions? Because for example, you know, if we carry three most common emotions that we as an individual feel all the time, we're going to become very kind of predictable and what's going to happen. And then we can, I don't know, prepare a little bit for how we're going to handle certain situations and also get more in touch with those feelings, realizing that they're not scary, that they actually can, we can become friends with them. So as, so I know you work a lot with food, um, food is nutrition, but nutrition and movement strength training, correct? Yep. Okay. So I say this all the time on the podcast. Every time I talk to like a health expert that talks about food or movement, which our values are usually aligned or we wouldn't be, not that we wouldn't be having a conversation. I love having a conversation with people that we have different beliefs. Like that's one of my favorite things is how can I see myself in other people and just like you learn from those conversations. So in 2020, I felt, I was like, I feel pretty good. Like every year, I'm kind of looking at the buckets of my life. And food was one that I felt out of control with. I just didn't feel confident in. And of course, my body changing, I'm gaining the weight. So I learned macros. I learned all the things. And I learned it from somebody who was incredibly like a champion. Okay. So like a stage, like fitness champion. 
Um, I never wanted to go on stage or compete or anything like that, but it was pretty black and white. And I come from this background of desires and how do you want to feel? So my, my question to you is when, cause I'm always, and the, when I'm talking to women in my coaching call is like, or my coaching as well, I'm like, there's a time when we have to listen to our emotional state. And then there's a time where we just got to chop, chop wood, carry water. I would like to know your opinion about this because when I allow the emotion to take over, I get too into it. I'm not even practicing the habits. And then there's moments where I just need to like push through the emotion. I don't feel like doing it and do it anyway. So it's that like intuition of like, I push too far versus now I'm not doing enough. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I absolutely do. And I I love that question actually. So typically the way I talk about it is, is kind of two things. So I'm going to give you two little things that are going to segue into each other nicely. The first thing is to have strategies to remain as emotionally regulated as you can on a daily basis. So obviously, if you can think of it this way, it's like a sinusoidal pattern. So if you can imagine like a flat line and then you have kind of this upward, um, this upward and downward reflection and it's kind of going and going and going, it's this pattern. So it's the idea that you know, if we can maintain kind of this regulated state, if there's something that's particularly challenging in our life, it's not really a problem because we're already regulated enough where we don't have to go to that massive amount of distraction. A lot of times distraction means we're just eating out of control and we, and we really don't have anything to help us with it because again, that regulation factor is not there. So I also want to say that one of the things that makes people pretty dysregulated is when you're given a very specific regimented nutrition strategy. It's the it's going to throw off us as humans because we don't like to be told what to do. And if we're being told that we have to eat 150 grams of protein a day, and that's really not going to be possible in that day, then all of a sudden we think we failed. So the strategy that I like to use that's very intuitive based, but it's also backed by science is this whole idea of, um, I'll just tell you, it's my principles. It's my goals principles. So essentially it's the idea, get hungry first. So it's the idea of understanding when we're truly physically hungry versus emotionally hungry. Um, observe for fullness. So this is the idea of when are we actually satisfied with our food? Um, and now some of us have genetic variants where we actually don't have normal satiety signaling. And actually, um, and we won't get into it, but a lot of the newer medications that are out there actually do target the satiety piece. Um, so that's O. A is allow your feelings. L is love movement. Notice I didn't say you have to do five different split body part training every single week. No, love movement. And the last piece, the S is stop perfectionism. So these are kind of the goals principles that are really my intuitive principles. And then from there, I add on a couple of easy scientific things. Most women, kind of your average woman, based on what I know to be true for most average women with their skeletal muscle mass, about three servings of protein a day. Serving of proteins about 30 grams a day. So most women need about 90 grams of protein a day. Limiting added sugar. So sugar, 40 grams or less of added sugar, not fruit. I'm talking about the package stuff, 40 grams or less per day. And then four alcohol drinks or less per week. So a lot of times people say, oh, do I have to get rid of the alcohol altogether? No, you definitely do not. But really four drinks or less is going to really help people optimize body composition. So kind of those things. And then my last two are get snobby with your extras. So, you know, have the things that you love, do it 100%. 
but love them. Get really snobby. I get really snobby with my bourbon. I get really snobby with my butter. Okay. And I don't limit myself, but I make sure it's the best. Um, and then the final piece is just make the next best decision. So I always say this, you could be out and about, you could have literally had your fifth bottle of wine. Things are fun. You're having your charcuterie. And then you realize that you're not feeling so great. Well, you don't have to start on Monday or after the new year. Just make the next best decision. You can do that in the moment or even with the next meal. Drink some water. The idea is that it doesn't have to be on the bandwagon, off the bandwagon, but it's this continual way that we can live in a healthful way. Which is, you know, when I know a huge part, like you were talking about diet culture, right? And the diet books. And we're kind of outsourcing our power to like, okay, this thing is going to change my life or change the scale or whatever that is. And I'm sure you have your own beliefs or soapbox about the scale as well, which I want to hear because women are so obsessed with the scale. And you know how you see those memes where it's talking about asking men about what was it like the empire? What is this? Do you know what I'm talking about? The I don't know empire. the empire. It was like, is it the Royal empire? How many times it's like women or people asking men, how many times a day do you think of like the, I think it's the Royal empire. Somebody can like go in my DMS and <laughs> women are laughing and they're like, Oh my God, every day, every day. And then a woman is like, Oh my God, my body is my Royal empire. I think about my body and my weight every single day. And I thought about that because I've been doing a lot of inner work on this. And I will tell you one of my biggest challenges when I started was having a fear of buying into diet culture because I was not the type that yo-yo dieted. That was not me. I was actually lean. They called me skinny facts. I had like the inner fat around my organs, but I was lean. And then I got diagnosed with cancer Previous to getting diagnosed, I was really health-minded. Like I wanted to do healthy things. And even the um, wellness culture was like perfectionism and all these things. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so overwhelming. It should not be that overwhelming to make a green smoothie. Like what is going on here? And I just thought it was so overwhelming. Then in hindsight, realizing everyone has swung to the other side. Decision fatigue is real, especially for women. Too many choices can leave us stuck. Navigating the supplement aisle is overwhelming. And ordering from different places, that's just ragingly inconvenient. That's why I love AG1. It takes the guesswork out of combining multiple products into one easy scoop. AG1 supports the foundational needs of your whole body, covering nutritional basis and providing comprehensive brain, gut, and immune system support. AG1 simplifies getting the nutrients your body needs. Trust AG1 for daily support. Take charge of your health with AG1. Try it now and receive a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2. That's the little drops you put in your mouth. And five free travel packs with your first purchase at drinkag1.com forward slash EU. That's drinkag and the number one com forward slash EU. So, um, like the relationship, your perspective on the scale. Yeah. 
I love this question. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. So I think that we have done all women and men a disservice by using a number on the scale. So I'm one of those people that said years ago that the BMI is a bunch of crap. Um, So I have a podcast on how I think the BMI is just like a horrible measure. And it is. It was developed by a mathematician, which essentially was supposed to tell whether or not people were going to be more likely to have chronic illness. Okay. So this idea that we all have a different body type, you described your body type is probably being more ectomorph, like a naturally thin body type. And then we have a mesomorph body type. This is your naturally muscular body type. This will be, you know, your person who I'm definitely mesomorph body type. So this means that I have some natural musculature and I'm kind of just, you know, I'm I'm kind of straight up and down. I don't have any of these, like, you know, whatever, like the curves that anybody's going to put on Instagram, but I'm kind of straight up and down, you know, pretty sturdy. And then there's your endomorph, which we tend to carry a little bit of additional body fat. Now, the deal is I didn't even mention, do you have a small frame, a medium frame, a large frame? What kind of genetic musculature do you have? And by the way, our weight is actually genetically predetermined. Our set point is genetically predetermined. So with that being said, to even fit on a BMI chart, as somebody who's a naturally muscular body type or above, it's going to be very difficult, particularly once we enter the age of about 40 and above. So with all that being said, how do I feel about it? Well, I don't use the scale personally in my coaching practice at all. So the thing that I care about is actually your body composition. By the time we're 30 years old, we start losing muscle mass at a rate of about 1% to 3% per year. And so what I look at is I use something, it's an in-body scale. I have no affiliate, but I love in-body because I think it's very accurate. Actually, an at-home scale, it'll run about $300. You can get it cheaper on Black Friday. Um, is it's that the thing t- you stand on? I stand uh-huh. on this at the gym yep. all the time. I put my hands on it. Yep, that's it. Okay. That's it. So what I care about, I care about your skeletal muscle mass in relation to your body fat mass. That's what I care about. So I don't care what the actual weight is, but what I want for my women is I want their skeletal muscle mass to be above their body fat mass. And I will tell you, this is a very realistic goal for most people, for most women. Um, Now, my ectomorphs, my naturally thin, a lot of times like we are actually in a situation where we are trying to have have them gain some weight so that they can gain skeletal muscle mass to get them above that number. So a lot of times when ectomorphs, that's the naturally thin body type comes in and they say, it seems like I've gotten a little bit, you know, more body fat over the years, I want to lose weight. And that's not the move. The move isn't for them to lose weight, weight as in any kind of body mass. It's actually to first help them gain muscle mass And then we help them lose a little bit of that body fat, which sometimes they do naturally just by increasing their basal metabolic rate through the addition of the lean mass. So I look at it completely differently. And I like to give people realistic goals to work towards. This makes sense to me because of the journey I've been on for three years. If I was having a conversation with you three years ago, I would probably have like, my eyes would have glazed over and I'd be like, oh my gosh, this feels incredibly overwhelming. <laughs> so I I see my relationship to food and my physical body as a relationship and something I always have to invest in. And you know, you can neglect it for as long as you want, but eventually it, it will tell you like, hello, pay attention to me. Um, and I'm sorry, everyone, but we need to eat. Like that is something you cannot stop. Eventually your body can last for a little bit, but then after it's not going to. So 
I don't know why we don't get on board like, oh, wow, I should really try to heal this relationship. I think there's a lot of unlearning that happens. So what do you tell the person listening to this going, I like what I hear, but I'm so incredibly overwhelmed. Where do I start? What do I start doing? Because I think people are attracted to diets because of the quicker-ish result on the scale, but then it's not sustainable. So I'm talking about for the woman who's like, I am done with the yo-yo bullshit. I am here for sustainability, longevity, and to feel alive and aligned. What do you say to her when it comes to like putting these things on her to-do list? I love it. Yeah. So because my career in this field of coaching started with women physicians, part of what I had to get really good at is making things very simple and very strategic time-wise. And so actually my goal is to give you your time back. And so there's a couple different things. Typically, if somebody's coming to me, they want to optimize their muscle mass, not saying they want to gain it, but they want to maintain it, right? Because if you just lose weight on the scale and you are not doing any strength training and you are not optimizing your protein, for every pound on the scale you lose, it could be 25% lean mass. And that is the truth. I mean, that is like a fact. That's all the research shows it. So what I tell women in this situation are a couple of things. I'm going to go with, because we always have to ask, what's your goal? And if their goal is, I want to heal the relationship with my body, that's a different strategy. If they say, I want to put muscle mass on, different strategy. But the majority of my women are saying, maintain muscle mass and lose body fat. So I'm going to give you the recommendation for that. So we know that our total daily energy expenditure is our basal metabolic rate. And our basal metabolic rate is going to be dictated by the amount of muscle mass we have and also our organs. It's basically what our body burns at rest. That makes up about 70%, 7-0 of our total daily energy expenditure. We add that to exercise. Exercise can be, we call it neat in the obesity medicine world. It's non, uh, so excuse me, it's non-exercise activity thermogenesis. This is your steps. This is the exercise that's not planned. It's literally your daily living where you're moving around. That combined with your EAT, which which is exercise activity thermogenesis, this is actually your planned exercise. This only makes up 20% of your total daily energy expenditure, which is why exercise is not a great strategy for weight loss at all. And I'm going to explain that in just a second, because this is why my strategy is very effective because it doesn't take much time. And then the final piece is your digestion of food. That's about 10% of your daily calorie burn. Protein has the highest calorie burn in terms of digestion. So that's why you'll see when people are eating more protein, it actually does boost their metabolism a little bit. Okay. So to make it easy, this is what we do. So if the goal is to get that basal metabolic rate up, that's really what's going to control your body composition. I say, okay, we need to move our body against resistance. This is called strength training. I usually say an hour a week. That's it. To maintain muscle mass, you need an hour a week. You can break that down into three 20-minute sessions. You can break that down into even less if you want to do it more days. But the idea is we actually do have to move our body against resistance if we want to maintain the muscle. So that's about an hour a week. I don't prescribe cardio anymore at all. It's getting your steps in. So if you have a pedometer or you're using your Apple Watch or whatever, we want to get you above 5,000 steps a day. Okay, so 5,000 steps, if you're above that, you are out of the sedentary range. Not only that, we know that if we increase our steps 
about 5,000 to about 5,000, we improve our longevity. I mean, there's all these studies out there right now that shows just those amount of steps. So strength training, steps, and then three servings of protein a day. That Those three strategies right there, right? Doesn't take a whole lot of time, right? Because your steps are your steps. We're just having you get more active in your day. We do need you to add some strength training and then the piece on, okay, you know, protein. Now, if you are a vegetarian, you can certainly get enough protein. That is usually the biggest objection. Well, I'm vegan, I'm vegetarian, I can't get protein. Nope, not true, you really can. And in fact, a lot of my vegetarians do extremely well with muscle maintenance because they're willing to eat carbohydrates. So those are my three strategies for somebody who's like, I don't have the time, I don't know where to start, I'm super overwhelmed and it gets results. Yeah. Um, what do you say? So every person that I'm talking to says something different. Yeah, it's true. So, and it's, it doesn't even matter what industry it's in. Everyone is going to have, take a different road to get to a similar result. Um, People are going to either agree or disagree. And for me, it's about alignment. Is it work for you? For a while, I counted macros and people were like, oh, macros are bad for you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, guys, I didn't ask you your opinion. It's working great for me right now. And then sometimes there's some seasons where I'm like, you know, oh, I've changed. This has evolved. I need to shift this a little bit. So I'm curious your thoughts on that for like the season you're in, um, tools, strategies. Yeah, and I just... I love that question. Um, I think what you brought up was something really important. The idea of just mindset flexibility, the idea that it, they are seasons, right? So the first thing you said was really important. So the idea that, yeah, if you want to believe something, you can find evidence to back it all day long. You can find every guru in the world to support what you think. So you can think whatever you want and you will have evidence to support it. So you're exactly right. What comes into play is you have to feel it in your body. You have to feel intuitively like this is the right thing. This is my person. This person is speaking to me. Because if you can find that person that speaks to you, it motivates and inspires you to create your own thoughts about your own beliefs, which will allow you to seek out your own truth. And I think you're exactly right. Like in my programming, I always support intuitive eating. I support macro eating. And then I also support my nutrition program, which is mindful macros, which is a combination of it's, it's really simple, but essentially it's somebody that wants to do macros, but they're just not willing to count all the time. And they're willing to do more of a rough estimate. And so with that being said, I offer all those things because not one size fits all. And you have to find your own truth and you have to really believe what you're saying it's true. There are seasons. It's not going to be continual all the time. Life changes and we have to flex up, flex down. Ultimately, with the flexibility, we can be really successful. Yeah. I was very strict in counting macros for a while because that's what I was learning through. Um, and it worked. It worked for me in the sense of the awareness until it didn't work anymore. And I got you know, more, not more empowered, but I'm like, what is stressing me out in my life? And I'm like tracking everything that I put in my mouth. Or if I want to put my phone away and not be on it all the time or out and about, and then I'm stressed out because I don't know what I ate and I didn't track it because I'm trying to please somebody else because they need a check-in that is not going to be aligned with myself. Yeah. And I love, you just brought up something else that I say all the time. Yeah. You have to be really clear on like, 
are you willing to do what it takes to get the result that you want? And so my women are not going on stages to compete for bodybuilding competitions at all. Like they're basically trying to improve their lifespan, um, move their joints well, feel good in their body, be able to, I use exercise as a form of emotional regulation. So one of the things that I do is the reason why the mindset coaching is in that strength training is because I get people in their body. That is the goal to get you in your body, right? And so a lot of times they think they're coming for more muscle mass when in reality, they just wanted to be more comfortable in their body and process their emotions and understand their thoughts a little better. That's the goal. And so I think that like you you first asked, you know, yeah, the draw, right? A lot of times for me is, okay, we're going to really optimize your physical health. And that's kind of the, that's the part that's going to happen anyway, if the emotional piece and the mental piece is there too. So I love what you said about that. And I completely agree. Yeah. I love this conversation and we could continue. And I know you, like you said, you have your own podcast and people can find more about you and what you're up to. So Dr. Ali, let them know your podcast, what you got going on and how they can learn more about you and get into your world if they feel like, oh my gosh, she's my person. I love it. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. So super easy, fitwomancollective.com. And that's really our website. I do have a podcast. You can access our podcast and our blog right there. And Fit Woman Collective is a program that we actually just launched in the past three months. We've been doing this work for seven years now. And this is our first program that we expanded to professional women it's amazing. So essentially, it is a monthly type. Um, I, I'm not going to call it a membership. I like to just call it it's a monthly group program where we provide you with the tools to achieve mental, emotional, physical, and energetic optimal health. And it's kind of your one-stop shop for all of those things. And we have a great community. So we actually really pride ourselves on a very supportive, uplifted community of women who are high-achieving women, high performers, and they just need a place where they can really kind of have it for themselves. Um, and Ali Novitsky MD is my Instagram. And, uh, yeah, so that's a super easy way to find us and love to connect. Love it. And the name of your podcast. So it will be rebranded to transform. We actually went through a big rebrand so that we could serve more women. Uh, currently it is called life coaching for women physicians, but as I mentioned, moving into transform, since that's what we like to do, help people transform. I love it. Um, I will say we can resist or neglect ourselves as long as you possibly want to. But one day, your physical body will say, I have had enough of your shit or your mental body or your emotional, spiritual bodies. They will say, I've had enough of your shit. If you don't pay attention to me, I'm out of here. So I just wanted to say thank you uh, for doing the work that you do in the world. And I know you're going to make a huge impact. And yeah, you figured out how to not only take your story, your pain, like while I was listening to you at the beginning, raising three boys, my youngest being 11, and just watching them all have this unique relationship with their bodies. I think, you know what? we try to rescue and protect our children from like going through what we went through as children. But at the same time, we're all human. We're all going to have our own stories. And if we can take our stories and do it to make a big impact in the world, um, I think that's a gift. So thank you for being you. Thank you for being you. I appreciate you. I sometimes joke that I wish I taught people how to make 
green smoothies for a living. But I know I'm doing that because I'm trying to run away from what brings me joy. And what brings me joy is helping women and men, families in general, and children feel alive. And sometimes that journey to feeling alive is painful. It's emotionally uncomfortable and it's not always easy. This is why I created the Aligned Life Quiz. So if you're tired of being tired, you want to stop just surviving and you want to find out exactly where to focus and access realistic tools to confidently manage your energy, emotions, and impact, you can head on over to Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N dot com forward slash life quiz. It takes you two minutes and it's going to show you. I call them internal leadership skills. Where do you need to focus your energy and attention for the quickest results? And also, which phase are you living in? So head on over to heatherchauvin.com forward slash life quiz to take the aligned life quiz right now. If you're ready to stop just surviving and you want to start thriving, but you don't know how to manage it all, go there. It will take you two minutes and it will change your life. I also on the inside show you which podcast episodes to listen to based on your quiz results. HeatherChauvin.com forward slash life, L-I-F-E quiz. 